Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. What we find in the local church from the pages of the New Testament. Two weeks ago, we learned, or relearned, that Jesus is the boss. He, he's, he's the head. He's preeminent. He's first. He's supreme. He's the king. He's the ruler, the best, the highest, the greatest. He's in charge of the church globally. And so therefore, he's in charge of the church right here, the gathering in Windsor. And last week, Pastor Garth explained the role of elders in our church. That elders are not necessarily meant to be operating like CEOs, but they're shepherds. Shepherds who do their best to follow Jesus, and then in turn, lead, feed, protect, and care for the flock that God has entrusted to them. These elders give overall leadership to the church and, give, and have biblical authority to teach and guide and even discipline and correct those that they shepherd. And today, we're going to look at the office of the deacons. Now, if you know somebody that is a deacon or have ever met somebody or do ever meet somebody that serves as a deacon in a church, you might want to ask them a few follow-up questions about what that means in their church or what, does that, what do they actually do because the role is pretty wide variety from church to church. Deacons do all sorts of different things. So this morning what we want to do is we simply just want to look to Scripture as our guide and draw our conclusions for this role from the pages of the New Testament, not uh, any other kind of policy guides or denominational handbooks or histories of this and that. Is that okay? Sound good? New Testament? Good? Bible? Good? That's what we're doing. We like the Bible here. Amen. Someone else likes the Bible here. Excellent. So the word deacon simply means servant. It simply means a servant. Now that title doesn't mean that the deacons are the only ones that serve. We are all called to serve. Um, In fact, the elders serve. They will be servant leaders, leading the church as servants of the church, right? So we could say that elders are the servant leaders, while deacons, we could maybe call them the the leading servants, if that makes sense, uh, overseeing the practical needs of the church. And we're going to look at a couple passages this morning. My hope is that we're going to understand and see that deacons are spirit-filled individuals who serve by leading the way and ensuring that the practical needs of a local church are met. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts chapter 6. This passage gives us a helpful picture as to why there are deacons in the first place. And one of the reasons that, that we'll find is that the elders can't do everything. The elders can't do everything. So, Acts chapter 6, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, which would be Greek-speaking Jews at that time, rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. 
And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas. These are great names. Uh, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, so in this passage, just to be clear right off the bat, the title, deacon, doesn't appear in these seven verses, but most scholars agree that right here, this, is, this event gives us the, the first formation of what would become the normative pattern for establishing deacons in the churches. Uh, in Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul addresses his letter to the saints. It says, to the elders and to the deacons, which was written after this would have happened. And so we have reason to believe that this kind of started, paved the way of establishing deacons in the local churches. And what we have here is we have this issue of one group of people, their widows are seemingly being neglected from this food distribution. Um, lots of stuff going on there. But the bottom line is the church in Jerusalem is growing. It's growing rapidly. And it's experiencing growing pains. Right? Logistical growing pains. This is, uh, it's a good thing. It's a good problem. Lots of people now are believing and following Jesus. What do we do with all these people? How do we manage all these people? We've experienced this at the gathering. We, we currently experience this at the gathering. We're always grateful to God for growth. But there always will be some logistical issues that come up when you grow, right? When churches grow quickly, it can be difficult to make sure that all of the needs are met. And sometimes things fall through the cracks, and that's not intentional at all. It's just, it's just the reality. Then it's important to know that according to Acts 4.4, there was about 5,000 believers in Jerusalem at this time. And the current practice is that everybody would come to the 12 apostles to manage the, the generosity and distribution of all these needs. 12 guys. Acts 4.34.35. 12 guys were managing all of this. 5,000. We think 250 is a lot. Okay? So it's important for us to understand that the apostles, they didn't have hard hearts to the people. They're like, oh, no, we don't like these people. We don't want to serve their tables or anything like that. No, it's actually because they cared so much. It's because they had shepherd hearts that they come up with this solution to help meet the needs. It's because they were like, wait, we need sufficient time to be able to spiritually lead and feed these people. So, you know what? You guys got to find seven men, take charge of this growing need, and address the issue. The apostles were doing too much. And they can't, couldn't manage it all. 5,000 people. And I think you and I understand this idea of doing too much. Even the best jugglers in the world, they juggle lots of balls in the air. Eventually, you keep adding balls to them. What's going to happen? At some point, one is probably going to drop, or, or more than one, or even the whole thing, and it's just a mess. Too much going on. You can only juggle so much for so long. That's what's happening here. The elders, the apostles, they needed help, as all growing churches do. And if you've been around the gathering for any length of time, you've known that the gathering has grown kind of quickly. And uh, a while back, we actually installed deacons of our own to help with the growing needs, the practical needs. So that's why we need deacons. That's why we have deacons. The elders can't do it all. So now we'll take kind of the next step and we find out who these people are. 
Who are the deacons? Well, we would say that deacons are spirit-filled, qualified servants. Spirit-filled, qualified servants. When looking for men for this task, the apostles laid out some criteria. If you look at Acts 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Hey, they've got to have a good reputation, right? wise, but most importantly, they've got to have the Spirit of God. They've got to be filled with the Spirit. You know, the apostles could have just been like, okay, find the seven most popular guys out there. Or find the seven uh, most administratively minded people out there with great organizational skills. And those aren't bad. It's not bad. It's important to have organizational skills. But what was the primary thing? They're like, no, no, no. Make sure you find people who have the Spirit of God. People who love Jesus. People who follow Jesus. People who have been changed by Jesus. That's what we need in this role. It's not just whoever's willing, spirit-filled, and qualified. Far too often, churches can choose people for leadership positions based on all sorts of other criteria that isn't necessarily bad, but it can be criteria that can replace or even trump this need for the leaders to be filled by the Spirit of God. Howard Marshall says, All ministry is spiritual and therefore should be spirit-led with spirit-filled people. Spirit-filled, good reputation, full of wisdom. Now we do find other qualifications for deacons later on in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. The list for qualifications for deacons comes directly after the qualifications for elders, which is what we talked about last week. And what you'll notice, if you read both lists, the majority of these qualifications are matters of character, not skill. Matters of character, not skill. Although, in the list for elders, one key skill is mentioned in 1 Timothy 3.2. It says the elders must be able to teach. They've got to be able to teach the word of God to the flock. But it doesn't say that deacons must be able to teach. It's not a requirement for deacons. Now, that doesn't mean that a deacon can't ever teach the Word of God. It just means it's not a requirement to serve in that role. For example, both Stephen and Philip, who serve as deacons later on in Acts, are shown to be teaching the Word of God. Okay? So it's, it's, you can't, it's like, oh, well, I'm a deacon. I can't ever open the Bible and teach someone. No, no, no. That's not what it's saying. It's just that you don't have to have this requirement in order to serve in that role. So let's take a look at the qualifications mentioned in 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13. I'm going to read it, and they're going to pop up on the screen. It says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's quite a list. Don't you think? It's a pretty, pretty high bar. And maybe you look at that list and you, or you hear that read and you go, Oof. I mean, that's, 
That's pretty intense. But the question kind of arises. Would you want people to serve as leaders in the church who didn't have those qualities? I wouldn't. Right? And you know, regardless if you are ever going to serve as a deacon or an elder in that kind of formal leadership position in a church, all of these qualities are qualities that every single follower of Jesus should be actively striving for as they're filled by the power of the Spirit, as they're changed daily by the Gospel. I mean, you just imagine what our, what our families, what our homes, what our church would be like if all of us are actively pursuing these things. It says these qualities aren't reserved for those people in leadership, right? But, but leadership is reserved for people who have those qualities. Does that make sense? It wouldn't be a bad idea to, to look at the list, uh, write it out, type it out, print it out, put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, put it in your Bible, and just be like, okay, Lord, help me to grow, help me to be this, help me to be this, help me to be this. Imagine if we all did that. Deacons, spirit-filled, qualified servants. And we have some of those. We have some great deacons serving here. We love our deacons. And we're, we're proud of our deacons. We thank the Lord for our deacons. Uh, we've got a list of deacons come up on the screen here. These are the ones who are currently serving in the role of deacons at our church at this time. We've got Bill Robert, Pete Geets, Cindy Geets, Danielle Renault, Dave Dagley, and Lori Honey. Can we just, can we just thank the Lord for, for our deacons? Yeah. These men and women, they, they serve so well. They serve tirelessly. They're, they're faithful to the Lord. They're, they're faithful to each other. They're just great. We love our deacons. And 1 Timothy 3.10 mentions that they must be tested. These deacons were tested. All of the, their, their names were vetted by, by staff and leadership. And like, okay, is this person qualified? Do we think that they could serve in this role? Then they met with Pastor Garth for months as they studied the role of a deacon. As they, they dove into all the scriptures. What does a deacon look like? What's all these qualifications? How does a deacon serve? They did all of that for months. Then they were interviewed by Pastor Garth. Then they had their names put forward to the whole congregation for a 30-day period. To say, hey, do you think that these people can stand and serve as deacons? Let us know if you think otherwise. And they all passed the test. And they serve as our deacons. And we're excited for our deacons. And we love our deacons. Now you may have noticed on the list that there are some women mentioned among our deacons or our diaconate. It's a fancy word for like the whole group of the deacons. See, unlike the role of elder, which scripture clearly does reserve for men, we do have some scriptural evidence for women serving as deacons or deaconesses. Romans 16, verse 1, specifically uh, names Phoebe serving as a deacon. The word deacon, servant, is used there. This combined with study on the wording in 1 Timothy 3, particularly around 10 and 11 and 12, seems to imply that there were women deacons in the church. And that's led our church to the position that we believe women can serve in this role as deacons. I'm not going to belabor this right now because if you have any questions further about this issue, why we've landed on this decision, you can direct all of those questions completely to Pastor Garth. He'll field them all. And it'll be a great conversation for you, I'm sure. He'll love it. Um, but, but seriously, if you do have questions about that or any other thing about how our church operates, uh, we are going to be having a church partnership seminar coming up here at the gathering we call Church Membership Partnership. 
And if you haven't been to one of these seminars, we invite you to it. It's coming up on Saturday, February the 24th. Um, It's going to be in the morning. If that time doesn't work for you and you're like, oh man, I really want to do partnership, you can talk to myself or Pastor Guth. We can try to arrange maybe another time like that, but we really do encourage you to come to February 24th. You can find out all the information on our website. Just click the church partnership tab. Okay. So now we know deacons are spirit-filled and qualified servants. But what exactly do deacons do? What do they do? Well, we find from Acts chapter 6 that deacons support the ministry of the Word. Deacons support the ministry of the Word. Acts 6, again, describes these seven men taking over this initial food distribution system among the widows that was appointed to them so that the apostles could devote their time more fully to study, prayer, teaching, preaching. And look at what happens in Acts 6, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So once the deacons were established and installed, these apostles had the ability to spend the time ministering the word to other people, and then the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Not just a few people, but multiplied greatly, and a bunch of the Jewish priests ended up becoming obedient to the faith and following Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Now, this isn't necessarily like a guaranteed formula for church growth. You know, like we're, like we're so pragmatic. We're like, oh, okay, look, the church grew because they had deacons. Let's get deacons, therefore our church will grow. And sometimes maybe people will do that. No, no, no. It's not necessarily that formula, but it's no accident that the growth occurred once you had both elders and deacons functioning together at the same time. Right? Practically meeting the needs, spiritually feeding the needs, the church growing, thriving, boom, more people. Other than this specific food distribution scenario that we have in Acts 6, the Bible doesn't give us actually a whole um, really extensive job description. Well, this is what the deacons do, and this is what the deacons do. And I actually think it's kind of intentional. Because what we see in Acts 6, and in, in our whole lives, in the life of the church, different needs arise at different times or different local churches. Right? And so there needs to be an element of flexibility among the deacons to, to adapt, to be humble. As, as the church grows, oh, this is where we need to focus some time and energy on. Oh, now, this is a need now. Okay, well, that's good now, but, but over here now. And you know, we've gone through a lot of change. Going from a, a living room to a golf course to a warehouse to a former Knights of Columbus building in just a couple of years. That, that's a lot of flexibility. That's a lot of change. That's a lot of adapting. And we're thankful for, for deacons who, who have been able to flex and have gone through with us as we go on this uh, kind of wild ride. We're thankful that we have deacons that are focused on the kingdom of God, focused on making disciples, not necessarily this is how it's got to be and you know, we don't like change or anything like that. But the question then comes back to us. Maybe the majority of us don't serve as deacons and elders. How do we respond to change in the church? Not talking about theological change, biblical doctrine stuff. No, 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 no. We're just talking about logistical issues that come with growth. How do we respond? It's been uh, suggested that if personal comfort is our goal in life, then we are likely to fight against change. Right? So we have our little box. This is good. I like it here. Anything that comes in to threaten that, we like to, nope, no, 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 I'm good. I like this. 
If comfort is our goal. But if Jesus is our ultimate treasure, if, if knowing and following Jesus is our ultimate goal, then change isn't something to be resisted. Change becomes an exciting opportunity for ministry. And because the early church was willing to change and adapt, even more people trusted in Jesus, which is kind of the plan, right? Imagine what can happen if our church, if every single one of us opens our hearts towards change. If we truly say, okay, Lord, I don't understand what's going to happen here, but take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee, devoted to You, surrender to You. Whatever comes, we trust You. We've sung so much this morning. Christ, You are enough. You're what we need. You're all that we have. This is, this is a nice building. You know what? I mean, it's not likely to happen, but I mean, a hurricane could come through and knock this whole building over. Then what? The church will endure. Because it's not about a building. It's about Jesus. Right? Right. I'm glad you agree. So, in addition to deacons overseeing ministry to widows, what other things might deacons do? Well, as they support the ministry of the Word, deacons often oversee facilities. Uh, facility management, they might they'll oversee benevolence distribution, organize delivery of meals and other care items, create uh, financial reports, organize centralized charitable activities. They might visit people in their homes or in the hospital and many other things that assist the elders as they shepherd the flock. Deacons will often also relay information to the elders. They might receive information about someone from the congregation before the elders do. They might text or call an email. Hey, did you know blank is in the hospital right now? I didn't know that. Okay, well, they would probably love a visit. Thank you so much for telling me. Or blank just lost their, their job. Maybe you could call them and pray for them. I didn't know that. Wow, thank you for that, dear deacon. Who, who Yeah, right? I got, I got an amazing text on, on Friday morning from one of our deacons. Hey, you might want to investigate this situation. And, and pray for this and follow up. Okay, I didn't know about this yet. Thank you so much. Right? That, that's one of the things that our deacons can do. And they do it well. I do want to pause for a moment though. Like I said at the very beginning, deacons are not the only ones who serve. And I want to be sure that we clarify this. None of us should ever think, well, I'm not a deacon, so therefore I don't need to chip in. Right? We're all called to serve. We're all called to follow the example of Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. If I can direct your attention to the wall over here, we've got these four banners. We like to call this our strategy for life change or our pathway of discipleship. Uh, love, grow, serve, and multiply. Serve. It's right on the banner. That's not just for deacons. Right? There's a verse of Scripture right there, 1 Peter 4.10. It's small writing there, but we'll just read it right now. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each one of you. And you know, I'm so encouraged by our church. 
We have so many people who are serving in so many ways in the church and in the community. It seems like every week I learn more about people. Did you know that this person does this? Did you know that this person does this in the school? Did you know that this did this behind the scenes for the church? And I go, no, that's awesome. Way to go. We have a lot of people here who serve. So thank you. And if you're currently not serving, I just encourage you, jump on board. It's a really fun train. You might as well come with us. And if you're not sure where there's an area that, that might have a need, you can talk to one of the deacons, one of the elders. We'd be happy to direct you to any, any uh, pressing need. It'd be a great conversation to have. You can talk to me after. I can, I can tell you a few, few things. Just a few things. But keep going. Thank you for your service, but keep going. Keep serving. And keep encouraging other people to serve. So we've learned quite a bit about deacons so far this morning. Last thing I want to talk about is we know kind of that they support the ministry of the Word, but, but how exactly does that play out? Like how, how do they operate, these deacons? Well, quite simply, deacons operate as a team. Deacons operate as a team. Um, again, we, don't, we learn very little about the nuts and bolts uh, of how deacons operate in the pages of Scripture, but Acts 6 mentions that there's seven men 1 Timothy 3 mentions deacons, plural. Even Philippians 1, 1 mentions deacons, plural. So we can infer that there's a plurality of deacons, that there's a team. It's not a solo sport. All right? And so a team has different people with different strengths, serving in different areas, working together for a common goal. Right? That's kind of what a team is. And that's what we have at the gathering. We've got a great team of deacons. They're dedicated, dedicated servants, who have caring hearts. They don't just serve because like, well, I'm a deacon, I'm supposed to serve. That's what deacons do. <laughs> they serve because they have caring hearts. They genuinely love people and enjoy serving others. Hopefully. Uh, one, one pastor commented about observations about deacons. He, he related to this idea of, of a a server at a restaurant, and he said that one time he went to a restaurant that was pretty average. The, the, the restaurant wasn't that great. The food wasn't that great, but he said it was an, a wonderful experience. He said what made the meal so wonderful was the server. She seemed to anticipate our needs and respond with just the right solutions. We didn't need to wait to summon her, and yet she didn't linger over us either. She seemed to care about our experience and even asked about our personal well-being. When we left the restaurant, we felt noticed, cared for, and encouraged. We never felt as if we were a means to a tip or an inconvenience in her day. We felt served by someone who enjoyed serving. This is how a congregation should feel as the deacons care for its needs. Noticed, cared for, and encouraged. Our deacons are striving to that end. Striving to serve well. Yes, they want to be well organized. And they have regular meetings uh, so that they can have this good flow of communication. Okay, what's the report on this? And what's going on here? Any new, new business items that we need to discuss? What's happening? They do that. Right? Uh, they also document their meetings with accurate minutes and emails. They phone each other. They text each other. They talk to each other. You may even see them on a Sunday morning. Deacons gather together. Did you know about this? Did you know this? Oh, just quick update. Okay, great. Now away they go. And that's important too. But they do that so that they can serve you well. Not just because they love meetings. 
Right? It's because they can know what's going on and how to do it. And lastly, the deacons operate in partnership with the elders. It's not like deacons over there and elders over here and whatever. Right? We, we, we do try our best to have good, open communication so that we can serve together harmoniously. That's the goal. So that we can care for our church, encourage our church, love our church, serve our church. The deacons follow the lead of the elders as the elders submit and follow to the one true boss of the church, Jesus Christ. This is the picture of church leadership that we find in the pages of Scripture. Deacons, the leading servants, elders, the servant leaders, the shepherds, and Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the boss. I hope this series has helped you gain um, a greater understanding of or appreciation for biblical elders and deacons, absolutely, and their roles. But most of all, we hope that this series propels you into greater awe and worship of Jesus. He's the head of the church. He, he's the boss that, that all things flow out of. Right? Elders and deacons are great. And when you have good elders and good, good deacons, it, it's really great. But Jesus is greater. He's the one that we ultimately follow. Elders and deacons come and go. But Jesus remains. He is our hope. He is our salvation. He's our strength. He's our joy in the midst of sorrow. He is our God. Who's the boss? Jesus. Let's pray.